So hope is this belief that you could really achieve anything. You're listening to Spartan Up Podcast. We're going to interview somebody every week from all over the world and see what they did in their life to become successful, no matter how they defined it. All right, everybody, welcome back. Once again, we're here in the barn in beautiful Pittsfield, Vermont, for Spartan Up Podcast. As always, I am Colonel Nye. I'm joined on my left here by Joe DeSena, Johnny Waite, and Sephra Levin. Today, today, we're going to be talking about Dr. Joe Glasso, who we're going to talk a little bit about fatherhood and what to expect from our teenagers. Yep. You excited about it, Johnny? Yeah, I am. I've, I have two teenagers, and he talks a lot about... Uh, um, why they do what they do and why sometimes their brains don't work so well and it was actually pretty enlightening so he doesn't really talk about it to the end so stick with it it's uh, it's amazing this uh if you've ever been a teenager or ever had a teenager you're gonna want to watch this we are here for spartan up podcast on the farm with dr joe clinical psychologist who um well you run the gamut you handle uh special spartans and special people with disabilities but then also pro athletes absolutely i get to do all ends of the spectrum. So uh, my specialties are with kids and adults with developmental disabilities, and then I also get to moonlight with pro athletes. Let's talk about the special Spartans, which we're not doing at every race, but we do at quite a few of them. Uh, let's explain to the audience what that is and what the goal is. So the special Spartans, um, by the way, is nothing short of spectacular and, and probably one of the things that I'm most proud of right now in, in all our ventures. Um, the Special Spartans gives kids with disabilities the opportunity to traverse the Spartan course. So you've done a great job of getting people who are the couch potatoes and inactive, motivated and inspired to do this. You know, And now we've gone the other direction and gotten the people who um, are largely counted out and people think there's no way they could do something like this. Sure. And what we found is we had 2,000 kids through the course already. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's, and it's a tearjerker to see. It's, I mean, again, because you're watching kids with, against all odds, um, with a lot of heart. And so then you start questioning yourself, like, are you kidding me? What, how could I possibly have been upset because the coffee wasn't the right temperature, there was no right. Wi-Fi exactly. on the plane? Exactly right. So, so what do you learn with the special Spartans? And I wanna, I wanna dive into to, um, fathers because we got Father's Day here, but, but what do you learn with, with uh, people with disabilities that you could apply to those of us that think we don't have disabilities? So. You know, these kids are usually faced with insurmountable odds, right? So they're typically not given an opportunity to engage in the things that we are. And what we've learned by helping them, you know, run the course, you know, become special Spartans, is that they're resilient, man, and they are tough, and they're full of grit. Well, they can't quit, right? That's the difference. We, we can quit. Is that what you're seeing with the pro athletes, that... You've got, to, you've got to help them eliminate the possibility of quitting. For our special Spartans, quitting is quite literally giving up. Right. Right. So we have to push them to continue to continually perform better and to continually improve themselves. You know, and we're talking the most basic things. So just getting up and learning how to do occupational movements like tying your shoes, getting up um, and dealing with frustration. You know, so while frustration management for these kids looks like maybe self-injury for our athletes and our highly functioning people frustration management might look like quitting might look like um, becoming depressed or anxious so you know it's it's the same thing just uh, on a spectrum and it must be really frustrating for the caregiver for the parent for right that because they're they're used to just being able to tie their shoe or whatever but when you have somebody that's not fully 
developed or has these issues, right? It's it's hard. So how does the parent? How do you, do you work with the parents then to? Um, so it starts with compassion. It starts with normalizing. Um, these the communities of parents with kids with special needs are wildly uh, bonded with each other, and it's just helping them um, connect with other people to learn what's worked for other people too. I mean, I saw this morning my wife and I were going to really uh, do some damage to our three kids because they weren't listening. So uh, we could have used some, some help. I was right down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Did you stay over last night? Yeah, I was in Killington. Oh, you were in Killington. So, so um, I don't know. Let's dive into some tips that, that um, you could just give the everyday person just to be better parent, better business person, better whatever. I mean, that's what the podcast is about. So I, I typically think of things um, in four stages, and it comes from this model called the recovery model, um, which is sort of the, uh, an addendum to the medical model, which always said you treat things with medications, everything has an organic basis. The recovery model has four tenets, is hope, healing, empowerment, and connection. So those are my four tips for everybody. You have to have hope. Uh, if you're dealing with children, you constantly have to empower them and yourselves to be better. Um, connection is paramount. You have to learn how to connect with other people and become related. Um, and then we have to know how to heal when things aren't going correctly. Hope, uh, I mean, you think back to, to situations like the Holocaust where right? hope kept people alive. It's, a, it's a buoy. Yeah. and and. Um what do you do when you kind of lose hope? You're out there, you're on a 70 mile run, uh, you're in the Super Bowl, it's uh, two minutes to go, you're two touchdowns behind. How, what, do you, what do you teach that athlete or that person to? So it comes down to a couple things, right? You talk about this, this concept of heart, right? And trying to define how people reach down. You talk about grit and how people persevere. Um, so a lot of it comes down to reaching deep within yourself and really learning about who you are and how you could dig deep in those moments. When it's a team sport, it's easy to look around and see all the other guys that you're accountable to so that you'll perform better. You right. know? So it's not about you in the moment. Um, for um, when you're an individual, um, it's the same thing. You kind of got to talk yourself through it. So we use a lot of skills like positive self-talk and really talking yourself through the moment. And this is what I've done. The other like thing Like literally selling yourself? Literally talking yourself through it, right. right? Because we become our own worst enemy and it's the most basic thing we do. As soon as we get that message in our head that says, I'm going to quit, I can't do it, your body will give up. Your mind drives your body. Right. The other thing... Is it's our greatest obstacle then, right? Greatest obstacle. Right. And, and also the greatest engine we have. Yeah, you know, right. So, so right. If, you, if you can empower it. That's exactly right. right. So well, the other thing we have to rely on is our training. You know, so when you talk to EMTs or people who are faced with tragedy every day, you know, you'll ask them, like, how, how are you able to get through it? And a lot of them will tell you, I have no idea. You know, my training just kicked in and I just did it. So letting your training take over. In other words, it became mechanical. You didn't even have to think about it. Yep. It's like this almost this dissociated state where you just do what you're trained to do. So, um, so just repeat those actions over and over. And so you're training people um, to think positively, to keep hope alive. I know what I do when I'm doing a long run and I'm just cooked. Mm-hmm. Just got to make it to the next pole. I just want to make it to the next pole, right? Little, little bite-sized wins. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is how we say things to ourselves, too. If you say to yourself, oh, I got to make it to the next pole, right. that pole's going to look very far away. Right. If you say, I'm, I'm going to make it to the next pole, you'll you're get going the, to make get it there. to the next pole. 
let's take a break. We'll go, maybe we'll run up the mountain and then we'll, um, we'll come back and do the other half. Okay. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. All right, we're back. That was a hell of a hike, huh? <laughs> I'm dressed for it, too. <laughs> let's do, um, let's go back to those four, you call them tenets, mm -hmm. um, and, and just apply them to everyday life for, for the parent out there, the, the, the athlete out there that, that wants to just keep it in their wallet, in their pocket, and, and, and pull it out when they need it. So, so sure. I guess start with hope. So hope is this belief that you could really achieve anything, right? So it's, it's an anchor as much as it is a, a trampoline, right? So it's something that's gonna anchor us in reality. It's gonna help us set goals. And it's also gonna give us this belief that we can achieve anything. So uh, how I work on it with parents a lot of times is setting really short-term goals, right? A lot of times we think of these huge long-term ideal goals, right? I'm gonna parent my child, I want him to become I want to get him in Harvard, he's, three, exactly he's three years right. old. He's three, I, right? he needs to get into Harvard. Right. We need to just make sure that <laughs> we're able to feed ourselves at three and we're right. learning our, our words correctly, right? And right. able to connect with other people. So a lot of it is really just teaching people how to set short-term goals. Which is like we said before in the run, right? Just let me get to the next poll. That's right. right. And with parenting in particular, we're looking for change, right? We want our kids to change and we want them to change in a, in a positive manner. So for us, it's really understanding that change happens very slowly with kids as much as it happens quickly. So it's really becoming very attuned to those little nuances that indicate things are changing. In a positive way. In yeah. a positive way. Absolutely. And you're right. You're, you, I'm thinking of myself as a parent. Um, we're working out together. I mean, I'm not seeing that improvement, but, but it comes over long periods of time. And then all of a sudden you look back and say, wow, where did he get that from? Or right. she? Yeah. So, so when you're working out, same thing with athletes, right? So it might not be that you, you could add two more 45-pound plates, but you notice that you got an extra rep that day. All right, let's go after hope. And then, and then after we go through all four, I want to go to teenagers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have a couple hours. We got a couple hours. <laughs> so what's after hope? So after hope is empowerment. Right. So empowerment is, in terms of parenting, being able to support your child in such a way that you are an external force that believes they are capable of anything. So what they can do, kids in particular, uh, will look back at you and s just to check on how things are going. So empowerment is that look back and check. Um, and, and that even goes to our next you know, thing, uh, connectedness, right? So you, you can't do things alone typically, you need support. But in terms of empowerment, that, that's where it's born in. Uh, for kids, it's literally an external process that they learn to empower themselves and get this belief that they're capable of taking challenges on headfirst and taking risks. And then someday they disconnect. In other words, they're looking over their shoulder, seeing their dad, seeing their dad or mom. So there's the teenage process. Got Developmentally, it. they're supposed to start separating. They're supposed to internalize this. Um, we talk about it often as having your voice in their head, right? So everybody knows not to run into the middle of the street. You didn't automatically know that. Dad would yell, don't run in the street, right? right? So it's a positive thing. At anytime you cross the street now, you can think back to whoever that person is and right. say, ah, you, you know what? I, I didn't know it immediately to not run the street. My mom told me or my dad told me. That. Sure, sure. You know? I had a, um, a parent failure moment. We were in New York City. My kids have grown up in Vermont. And uh, 
the bus my son and I were getting on pulled up. Well, he instinctually just went to the bus because mm -hmm. in Vermont, like, and we, you know, were seconds away from getting crushed by a car. Thinking back after what you just described, well, I didn't, I didn't have to in Vermont say, right. don't run a right. I just assumed the kid would know. So, so right. not not a failure moment, just a contextual fa failure <laughs> moment. I yeah. think, right? Because, you know, it's context. It's different here. And you don't want to be the parent that's just constantly. But, but I guess that's our job, mm -hmm. right? Our job is to just let them know what's right. What, so they don't put their hand on the stove. That's that's exactly right. And yet, you know, as parents, we have to empower ourselves to let ourselves off the hook every once in a while too. Right. All right, and then finally? So then there's uh, connection, which yep. we talked about, yep. which, which is, you know, just the main developmental milestone for our kids. And, and that's what we do um, when we put them in school, right? They, they kick and scream, they wanna, don't wanna go. And, and I tell parents, the most important thing that you're learning in preschool is how to be around other people. You know, but yet there's so many kids that are homeschooled that do fine. True. So, I mean, we're wired to right. naturally connect with other people. Right. Um, those uh, settings just help to bring it out. Sure. Yeah. I, I, um, for those people listening, uh, there's a great book, uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends mm -hmm. and Influence People. And um, I took a class. Uh, I probably should have taken it a few times. <laughs> um, but but uh, they teach just that. And so I thought, you know, at some point when my kids are teenagers, they should all take that class because, um, because you're always selling in life. Everything is a, sale, a sales pitch, right? Yeah, and, and what, what are the most important lessons from that book, right? It's how, how to get people to like you and how to like that person back. Right. Once you get past that, you're in, right? right? That, that's my job. The first time somebody walks into my office, it's how am I going to like you and how are you going to like me? Because then we could do great work together. Well, it's true, right? The coach is going to spend more time with the player he likes. The player is going to spend more time with the coach he likes. The parent's going to give more. So, right. right. And, and as a parent, you know, the great thing is just always taking time to recognize the things you like about your kids. Right. right? Uh, you know, be, the childhood behaviors are challenging by nature. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no easy kid. I've never met an sure. easy child. And that's by design. Take away the positive slide. And then after connection was? Healing. Healing. So the last thing is really, uh, I like to spin it as resilience. We're always going to get knocked down. We're always going to fall down. I think this is where fathers in particular teach our kids the best lesson. So how do we persevere? How, when we're faced with difficult situations, do I use not only my hands, but my mind to get through these things, right? So we talk about it in terms of like emotional intelligence or emotional vocabulary, you know, so now more than ever, it's really important for fathers to be able to have that, that vocabulary and have those conversations with our kids too. And, um, and then, cause people would love this. There's so many people with teenagers that are just pulling their hair out saying, I have no idea how to deal with this. Give us some tips on teenagers. Cause, cause you, you said something very interesting. That's the time when the kid is actually supposed to disconnect from the parent. And I don't, I don't know if parents are ready for that. I don't know that parents are ever ready for that, right? right. I, it's just this, uh, if you think about things, so if you think about things developmentally, it takes the sting out of it. They're supposed to do that. And it's our job to prepare them to do that as well. So how do I give them the skills and the tools necessary to start living on their own? That's why college just happened so abruptly and you're literally pulling them out of the house and putting them somewhere else. Right. right. So if we think about it in terms of developing them for that next milestone, it takes the sting out of it a little bit. And then what about the kids that are just uh, impossible to deal with, or at least the parents say that? 
so uh, again, that's why we joked before. That's the nature of the teenage years. So um, the brain is developing so rapidly, you know, and where it's developing is right here in, in the prefrontal cortex. And that's where we make good decisions. That's where our decision-making skill comes in. And we have to be aware that that's what's developing. It's not there yet. So um, I kind of think of us as people who are developing roadmaps for our kids to make right, the, right direct, uh, the right decisions. I, um, I interviewed somebody recently who said uh, they completely screwed up. They, they got thrown into um, a juvenile jail system, uh, pulled out of school. And, and then at one point, he might have been you know, 18 or 19, he realized, hang on a second, I'm accountable for all these things that have occurred. I could make the right decision or the wrong decision. I've been making the wrong decision. That just doesn't always happen. No, not always. Um, what we find is that people are uh, creatures of habit and the best predictors of future behavior are past behavior. I mean, unfortunately, that little uh, paradigm is fairly true. Um, but what we do find is that kids are less likely to get into trouble, to um, especially male children having trouble with the law, they're less likely to have involvement with the legal system if they have a strong father figure in their life. And But there are many kids that don't. So thank God there's a lot of great mothers yeah, right. who take on both roles. But what I said, I said to people all the time is, um, you'd be surprised, I know it's hard for a young person to do this, but if you raise your hand and ask for help from a mentor or say, hey, can you get in my corner? Most adults would do it. Absolutely. You just gotta ask and you gotta show that you're actually willing to listen. Mm -hmm. And what we work on with, with men in particular is helping them identify what kids need mentors and not necessarily waiting for kids to ask for it. So making yourself open and available is really important. It's a big deal. Yeah. Well, you're awesome. Thanks for driving Thanks. five hours to the farm. Yeah, no problem. To do this. I'm so excited. You're gonna cycle home? So there's some great stuff in that one. Uh, I loved his, the way he broke it down, he had the four pieces. It was hope. Healing. Uh, yeah. Hope, healing, empowerment, and connection. Yeah, exactly. And the idea, he originally was talking about the Special Spartans, which has become such a really cool project. Um, and then he extrapolated out to how you could work with anyone and, and really focused on youth. And I love that idea that, um, you know, hope and empowerment. They have to have something to be hopeful for. But the empowerment is you've got to give them the tools to do it. So... Um, in terms of, of what you're doing with Spartan Race, um, you, you talk a lot about the empowerment angle and people come away from that empowered to do stuff. Well, I love, um, during, certainly during the race where they're halfway through or three quarters of the way through, you know this, uh, they are broken, yeah. right? There's no hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then you're right, you come to the finish line and that's why we say you'll know at the finish line yeah. um, because all of a sudden you're feeling revived and new yeah. and wow, anything's possible. It's funny too when you talk about that the hope's gone and you know, even the empowerment at that point is, is broken down, but that's where connection comes in. And you, you talk about the people helping each other over walls and things like that and the friends you make out there, that's, that's huge. Well, that's why somebody just recently, sorry to interrupt you, somebody yeah. just recently uh, told me they did a study and what they found was anybody that had someone in their corner actually tends to do better. Yep. Well, I, I think he, he discusses that a little bit, doesn't he? Because mm -hmm. he yeah. talks about, and he said in there, fathers give the best lessons, which I kind of cocked my head at and thought, well, you know, there, there's plenty of wives out there, or women or mothers or whatever as well. But this is for Father's Day, so I yeah. guess we'll let that slide. But yeah, I think, I think we've discussed this over and over again. I think people who eventually go on and make it, no matter how many times you ask them, there's always somebody. It goes back to family or goes back to a mentor or goes back to somebody who provides. You, you got to have that support system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when you were talking about hope, 
just the, the phrase that caught me when he was talking, and I had to listen to it a couple of times, is he said hope was as much of an anchor as it is a trampoline, yep. which I, I wasn't sure what that meant at first. I thought anchor like weighs you down, but it, I think it means more center you, right? Yep. Like, okay, I get to come back to this. I'll always have that hope. But from that hope, I can spring forward as well. So I think yeah. that's, that's a pretty, uh, pretty interesting phrase. That is a great one. Yeah. And <clears throat> happy Father's Day to my mentor, my papa. And um, it reminds me of kind of the pedagogy of wilderness awareness school survival skills. They often teach kids with the Socratic method, right? It's kind of called the coyote teacher because you, you're able to hold the space for them and you take them on this journey in the woods and they kind of think that they're just doing their own exploring and they have hope and wonder and they're, and they're um, you know, finding their own way even though like you're kind of scaffolding learning in. And that's what really builds huge nature connection and it's, and it's a beautiful thing to see, especially with a lot of teenagers when they kind of go through these years of like what's going on. Oftentimes that nature deficit disorders really remedied by getting them out into the woods and, and just allowing them to explore and have that time of wonder and free time. Yeah. And trampoline. And when you mentioned that about teenagers and, uh, and getting out in nature, that there's a lot of study right now going on about the last thing teenagers should be doing is sitting as yeah. much as they do day in and day out. So we're taking all these kids who already their brains are going crazy. They're trying to wire themselves. And we're making them sit all day long. And then we try to rip them off the couch in their next phase when it's yeah. like they're ready to be off the couch and here and then you yeah. train them to sit. It's such a simple solution though. My wife and I have put this thing in place where six miles out in the woods we put the video games so the kids can play <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Love it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Used to, uh, when, when I was a company commander on every... Once a month on the, on Friday, I would be in charge, and we'd do these brutal PT sessions and stuff. And so I noticed we started getting more and more guys would come to sick call in the morning. So I was the headquarters company commander, which meant I was in charge of the medics. So we put the medics tent five miles out and said, okay, get in the, get in the truck. We'll drive you out there. And if medic clears you, you still got to run back. Yeah. So, it, you know, people got people got well overnight. You know? <laughs> all what, of, all what's of a sudden, sick call? Is that what you, if you get up in the morning and say, hey, I'm too sick to do this. Well, oh, sick call. Unlike the civilian world, you actually have to go see a doctor first. You can't just text in. And somebody, somebody gives you a note that says, yeah, you are sick. So, yeah. so you can't just have work. your mom send a text, Colonel, no, I, I can't come in today? Exactly. Yeah, write you a note. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he also talked about, which I thought was good, is that separation is normal. Yeah. Is oh, not only yeah, yeah. normal, but healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And that when you get to a certain age or a certain, whether that's a physical age or mental age or whatever, mm -hmm. that you should be breaking from your parents. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, again, the teenage years, it used to be 18, you left home, 17, mm -hmm. joined the Army, whatever, go off to college, that there was a natural break. Now, I think our society, you've got all these kids, college graduates living in the basement. Yeah. Helicopter got, parents going right, to the first interview. Parents. Yeah. You've got, you've got staying on health care or even phone plans until you're yeah. 26 or whatever. Yeah. There, there's something at odds there. But we're yeah. one of the only nations where it's like not okay to live with your family until you're married, you know? And I think there's a lot to be said for, I love, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time with my family. I love my family and I cherish. But, but you're independent. You go out and do stuff and your family is that anchor we've talked about, mm -hmm. but it's, you're not, you know, it's dependent not your beyond, you're not dependent, yeah. And what, I, what happens out in the woods? Stays out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. For show notes, audio and video of this episode, visit Spartan Up podcast.com backslash zero four zero the spartan up podcast is brought to you by spartan race to find a race near you visit spartan.com